Welcome to this episode of Planting Seeds. I'm Keith Jones, the preaching minister of the Calera Church of Christ, and I've prepared a short message from Scripture that's intended to be the planting of a seed that, if cultivated, will in time produce fruit in the lives of the listeners. Now, let's get started. The Lord bless and keep you. May His face shine upon you and be gracious and give you peace. In this episode, we'll continue our study of the book of Joshua by looking at Joshua chapter 14. If you have a Bible with you, follow along while I read. These are the inheritances that the people of Israel received in the land of Canaan, which Eleazar the priest and Joshua the son of Nun and the heads of the fathers' houses of the tribes of the people of Israel gave them to inherit. Their inheritance was by lot, just as the Lord had commanded by the hand of Moses for the nine and one-half tribes. For Moses had given an inheritance to the two and one-half tribes beyond the Jordan, but to the Levites he gave no inheritance among them, For the people of Joseph were two tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim, and no portion was given to the Levites in the land, but only cities to dwell in, with their pasture lands, for their livestock and their substance. The people of Israel did as the Lord commanded Moses, and they allotted the land. Then the people of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal. And Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God in Kadesh Barnea, concerning you and me. I was forty years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him word again, as it was in my heart. But my brothers, who went up with me, made the heart of the people melt. Yet I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, just as he said these forty-five years since the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while Israel walked in the wilderness. And now, behold, I am this day eighty-five years old. I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then, for war and for going and coming. So now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day how the Anakim were there with great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. Then Joshua blessed him, and he gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, for an inheritance. Therefore Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite, to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. Now the name of Hebron formerly was Kariath Arba. Arba was the greatest man among the Anakim, and the land had rest from war. In this chapter, we see that Joshua has called all the leaders of Israel together, and they're discussing the allotments of land. They're deciding who will live in which portion of uh, the land that they have inherited and dividing it up by lot according to what Moses had said. As they're getting started, Caleb comes forward and says, Joshua, you remember me and you, we were the two that came back and gave a good report to Moses. And, and Moses said that I could have the land where my feet had been set. We're told that God instructed Moses to do that. And so Moses comes and says, I want the hill country. 
Now, this is remarkable. If you look in other translations, I know the King James Version uses the word mountain. You know, give me this mountain. Uh, there's, you know, this was not flat prairie land. Doesn't seem to be farming land. Uh, Hebron is in the hill country. And Caleb says, I want that. Now, that's remarkable enough, but we find out that there are giant people who live there. The Anakim, we're told, were a race of, of giant people. And there's a lot of speculation about where they came from and, and all those things. But what we do know is that Arba was the greatest of their fighting men, and, and this town of Hebron had previously been named for him. But on top of all of these things, at this point, Caleb is 85 years old, and he says, I want this land. I'm 85 years old. I feel just as strong now as I did then. God is with me just as much now as he was then. I think if God wants me to have this land, he'll give it to me. He said I could have it. And so he asked Joshua to give him Hebron, and Joshua does it because Joshua was there Joshua knew all these things, and Joshua had the same faith in the Lord that Caleb had. But I think it's uh, interesting to look at Caleb in this story and see what he does. First, let's look at the reason that Caleb does this. Why does Caleb make this demand? Well, Caleb was determined to take everything that God had to give. Remember, that's how we started this study of the book of Joshua back in Joshua chapter 1, when we said that not all of us are willing to take everything that God has promised us. Not all of us have claimed all of those promises. Caleb here is showing us the example of someone that's absolutely determined to take everything that he had to give. And we're told there's even a reason for that. We're told that Caleb had a different spirit. It's in Numbers chapter 14, verse 24, as Caleb has come back and given his report and the other spies have caused the hearts of Israel to melt. We're told this, but my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land into which he went and his descendants shall possess it. So God notices there's something different about Caleb. There's something special about Caleb. And this different spirit caused him to follow God fully. The NIV uses the term wholeheartedly. He he gave him his whole self. He put his whole heart into following God. And he followed God completely. The reason that Caleb was demanding this land is because he was going to follow the word of the Lord wholeheartedly. So let's look at his response. Let's dissect it a little bit and and understand what it means to be wholehearted. Wholeheartedness means, number one, that I am committed to going against the flow. It's kind of a holy stubbornness. And Caleb exhibits it here. Everyone else is probably looking for the seaside plots of land or the land that's good for farming or the land that's easy to capture where there won't be many battles. Caleb says Give me the hill country that's full of giant people. He was committed to going against the flow. He wasn't going to do what was easy. He was going to do what God wanted. Because he knew he wasn't in this alone, God would be fighting the battles for him. I think for us who are Christians, if we're ever going to be seen as weird by other people, we need to be weird for Christ. When we're making demands to to do things and accomplish things, they need to be the things that Jesus wants accomplished. When he tells us that when we take care of the the sick and the poor and the imprisoned and the homeless and and all of those people who are disenfranchised, when he says, you do that for me, 
if people think we're weird, it needs to be doing those things. When we're trying to make decisions about how to deal with circumstances in our lives, how to overcome obstacles that are there, how to overcome grief that we find in our life, how to deal with any situation that's getting the rest of the world down, we need to look strange to the rest of the world because we're going against the flow. We're not buying into what the world is selling us. Even if they're offering us multiple multiple solutions to our problem, what we do is handle these things the way God tells us to. And it will look weird to some. When we're struck in the face, we turn the other cheek. When someone does evil to us, we return good. When someone talks bad about us, we do kindness to them. Those things look weird to the world. But we need to be weird for Christ. If we're following God wholeheartedly, we're going to be committed to going against the flow. Secondly, wholeheartedness means you will be able to accept the sovereign choices of God. Think about Caleb for a minute. In his situation, where we read back in Numbers chapter 14 that he had a different spirit, he and Joshua had come back and given a good report. After Moses dies, it's Joshua who's given command of Israel, not Caleb. Caleb could have been bitter about that. Why can't I be in charge? I was there too. I did the right thing also. But we get no sense that Caleb did that. He didn't seem to begrudge Joshua at all. He actually humbled himself before Joshua. He acknowledged Joshua's leader. And and there was no discontentment of any kind. That was God's sovereign choice. And he was okay with that. Very often in our own lives, I think we're tempted to compare ourselves to other people and wonder why they have it so good when we have it so bad. Why did they get things that we don't? Can we be okay with God's sovereign choices. When there are people out there getting rich and accumulating wealth by doing things differently than God would have done, are we content to continue doing what God wants, even if it means we never accumulate wealth? If we never accumulate power or prosperity, uh, if we never uh, develop popularity, if we never get to have all the experiences that the world tells us we need to have, Are we okay with God's sovereign choices? And thirdly, wholeheartedness means you're eager to act on God's promises. If I'm going to serve God wholeheartedly, I'm going to be acting on the things that he's promised. I'm going to be trying to claim the things that he wants me to have, not going my own way, not deciding what I want to do and asking God to bless that, but acting on God's promises. That's what it means to follow God wholeheartedly. God had made Caleb a promise. You can have this hill country. There are benefits to being in hill country. It's it's hard for it to be attacked. We're told in scripture that Caleb, once Caleb drove the Anakim out, he had no more battles to fight. No one invaded the land that he was in. It was just too difficult to deal with. That was the promise that God had made to Caleb, and Caleb acted on it. It didn't matter that he was 85 years old. It didn't matter that uh, it was hill country. It didn't matter that there were giant people there. It didn't matter that he may have the toughest battles of any of the people in Israel. He acted on the promise that God had made him. Are we willing to do that? Even if it looks tough, even if it seems difficult, even if it makes us uncomfortable, will we act on the things that God has promised us? Because that's what it means to follow God wholeheartedly.
A fourth uh, part of his response is that wholeheartedness means that you're willing to tackle the tough turf. Uh, I've mentioned this earlier. When he's following through on that promise, what, what God promised him was difficult, but he did it. Are we willing to tackle the tough turf? Are we willing to do whatever God says, no matter where it takes us? And lastly, wholeheartedness means that we are determined to be a lifer. And we don't just start fast, but we finish strong. That's what Caleb does here. It wasn't just when he was 20. It wasn't just when he was 40. It's when he's 80, 85. He's still eager to do everything that God wants. And we're told in Scripture, in the New Testament, for us as Christians, it's very important how we finish. We may be on fire for God when we first make a, a, a commitment to him, but do we sustain that? Do, does that last for the rest of our life? Because we're told we need to be ready. We don't know when we will be called to stand before the judgment seat of God. Are we committed to finishing strong? We need to make that commitment, but we don't need to be misled to think that staying prepared, making it for life is all up to us. Well, we're told in Scripture that God will keep us green. What do I mean? Look at Psalm 92, starting in verse 12. The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green. God is the one who sustains us. God is the one who keeps us fresh and as this passage says, keeps us full of sap and keeps us green. We're a tree that he plants and he keeps us fresh. See, we know that God is preserving an inheritance for us. We need to also know that he will preserve us for the inheritance. He is going to keep us. If we stay with him, if we follow him wholeheartedly, he will make sure that we are there to experience all that he's promised. He does this for Caleb. At age 85, he still gives Caleb everything he needs to experience the blessings that he had promised. So what's the result of this? If I follow God wholeheartedly, what can I expect? Well, certainly in this story, God blessed Caleb with an inheritance of promised land. And there are things that God has promised us that if we stay committed to his course and do things the way he instructs us, we can expect to experience along the way and make it to the finish line where we get eternal life with him. But it's also interesting uh, when you combine what we read in Joshua with what we read in Numbers chapter 14. This was land that he was given and it was his descendants to possess as well. See, Caleb blessed his family with his courageous faith. They had a place to dwell and a place to stay and a place to get close to God and a up-close front row seat to all that God was doing in the life of Caleb that impacted their lives as well. We need to realize that as we're following God completely and we're uh, running a race that culminates in our eternal life, so many of the blessings God has promised us are designed for us to experience here so that we can bless our families, our friends, those we come in contact with, so that they'll be drawn to God as well. If we follow God wholeheartedly, we can expect our families to be blessed by our courageous faith. Thank you for listening. 
You can find more of these messages on our website, calirachurchofchrist.org, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. 